What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vein Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller. Today, I got my neighbors with me. I got Chad and Alex. Alex, do you have a pod? Do you have a Instagram, or is it just just coffee? You know, is it just I, coffee? I have an Instagram. Thanks for the shout out. For the company <laughs> I work for. Um, I have my own Instagram. I don't know the name of it, but small <laughs> small, d uh, s- 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 small, <laughs> small d at Instagram. It's either large d or average d. <laughs> at, uh, I have no idea. What it is. We're just gonna call him six incher. <laughs> that's average. Alex. So that's fine. Six inches. Right. Six inch Alex. Yeah. Yep. And his wife's his wife's little baby hands. <laughs> Alex's wife is four ten. Just and for a everybody half. listening. Four and ten and a half. half. Four ten and a half. Legally a midget. Can park I in handicap stalls. Four ten's a midget. Four ten and a half. Not a midget. <laughs> oh, is that the? Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, Today we are driving and scouting and looking for bucks out in some bean fields tonight. So Chad and I, Alex is not a bow hunter. Chad and I are trying to convince him to become a bow hunter. Alex likes to gun hunt once a year, let his best friend Adam go out to his property and shoot big bucks every year on his property. Yep. Alex has 15 acres. That is prime 15 acres. Um, and Alex goes out there during gun season and shoots fawns while his uh, buddy shoots nope. nice. Nope, they've been spikers. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry, spikes. Yeah, even better. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, got these guys in the in the truck today, and we're talking. We're looking for deer. We're talking about public land because that's Chad and I are both. We both hunt this piece of public land. Um, out by by my house. It's uh, roughly 6,000 acres. It's two big chunks, a 4,000 acre chunk, a 2,000 acre chunk. And something that's just generally fun to do is look for these bucks uh, in the early season, right? Everybody likes to do this, uh, a drive scout, look in soybean fields and and see if there's any deer here. Um, But the real, like, the real thing is, is does this, uh, do these efforts translate to season? And that's kind of, what I wanted to cover in this podcast today. Chad, is that cool? Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. So this field, so one of the big things with um, drive scouting, the first thing that I like to do is in terms of like going and scouting your pieces, first of all, identify all the pieces that you want to go after, right? Anything like that you think is going to be lower pressure. One of the hardest things to do over the summer, like if you're scouting, especially new, new pieces, it is trying to understand how much pressure is gonna be there during season. Like, are you gonna show up on opening day and the parking lot's gonna be eight cars deep or is there gonna be no one there? And that's always one of those questions. And and around us, like opening evening, every parking lot's got two to three cars in it. But second weekend, it's like one car, third weekend, it's no cars. So that's one of the, that's one of the, like the big factors there. And when you're looking around for these pieces of, of public land, there's a few things to, to consider in that sense, which is just like essentially proximity to a large population, right? So like if you're, if you're, if you're hunting, you know, 20 minutes from a major Metro, like it's probably going to be pretty packed and you're going to need to like consider that when you're looking at these deer, like, okay, f- fantastic. I can see them from the road, but come season either got to kill him the first night or the second night or he's probably gone right there's too much pressure and it just pushes him out of there right away um the other big thing is if you're driving long distances 
the pressure is going to be lower and you're probably going to be able to get a little bit more um, play during season with how much is actually going on there so for me personally like how far are we from a major metro area chat like 45 minutes i'd say yeah yep. 40 45 minutes and we have enough pressure on the first weekend that it's tough that i have to go like parking lot a parking lot b parking lot c and last year i had to go to parking lot e to find a spot that wasn't that didn't already have cars in it this year um i have no idea how it's going to be but at the same time like drive scouting and looking at all these pieces um will help me trying to narrow down like if there are four cars in that parking lot do i want to go i don't care i'm still going because there's a great deer here or does it say all right well i can pass on this area because i don't think there's good deer here so drive scouting gives you that capability but it also gives you the uh the other big capability is understanding what's been planted that year and even not necessarily on your own properties but also oh we found one hold on a second oh, oh, oh. what do we got what do we got it is a little no it's a i mean it's, it's a, a decent doe adult doe yep in the middle of uh what is that just a hayfield yeah, yeah. hayfield yeah it's just a grass field um so this doe right now grass field about oh there's another one on the on the corn I can't see shit through these windows. Yeah, you gotta clean these. Fucking they're windows. tinted. They're tinted, bro. Five <laughs> percent back here. Oh, there we go. Um, so yeah, this car is really good for my kids to nap oh, in. This is like oh, if yeah, we need the low. kids to take a nap. You see her right on the yep. on the corn line. So these does that we're looking at right now. That's a nice one too. Yeah. Oh, she's chomping on some corn. She is. She's pulling the stalks right off that thing. Um. <laughs> She, uh, okay, so looking at some does right now, and they are about, I'd say, maybe 60 to 80 yards off a piece of public, and they're feeding out. It looks like they're feeding out of the public, which probably means that they're bedded on the public. Mm -hmm. So if we wanted to come in here opening day, this would be something, like, if we watch this a few nights, if you just want to kill a deer, like, this would be a great spot. And how far from the road, Chad? What are you thinking? 200 yards. 200 so that's really not a bad walk at all no not for public not for around here <laughs> no no not for around here so 200 yards off the road seeing does um and they would be good that would be good for a west wind which is great for a cold front um and some feeding activity so if we're just trying to kill deer which is certainly some people's uh prerogative this is a phenomenal way to go about it now the other a big piece i can't remember if i mentioned this or not because we saw those deer but it's it's understanding what fields are planted in what crop even off not even on the public but also on the pro, on the adjacent private because that was a perfect scenario those does there is no bedding on that private that we just looked at it is probably like 700 acres of egg like it is just solid egg and they're, they're not bedding in that corn they were clearly coming out of they're probably like 60 yards moving out of this wooded lot swampy area which is public ground um so that's one of the the big pieces there and just driving around getting a feel for what crops are where because the one of the worst things to do is to get out there on opening day and be like oh man i thought this was going to be soybeans this year and it's hay or i thought it was going to be hay and it's corn or i thought it was going to be like soybeans or corn and it's actually crp or, or weeds and they never even planted it at all and now my plans are out the window i know i've yep. done that before have you oh yeah 
Yeah. I think the other thing to consider too is the Skeeters. So how, <laughs> yes. how much water you've gotten. There was one year uh, on this on these pieces of public where we got so much rain, I had a camera in a ditch, right? And like that type of water will just push deer in different directions. They're not gonna cross these creeks. Camera was almost flooded on something where like it was at my chest because it was in this ditch line and things like that. So like understanding the weather patterns, understanding what has happened prior to going out, especially early season when the weather can be crazy like that, will like completely detract from or push a pattern away from what you thought was going on right. as compared to like, yeah, did it have egg in it the year before, but now it doesn't because you haven't looked at it this year. Was there a bunch of rain? Is it really dry? So now water sources are are scarce, right? Things like that are really big deals in early season when the weather's hot, so. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even to play to your initial comment of the Skeeters, like how far do you want to walk in the <laughs> early season? I mean, I think that's a legitimate, like, are you going two miles? Are you going, is there one right there? No. No. Oh, I thought that. Alex has to roll down his window. I can't see anything <laughs> out of here. <laughs> um, the sponges, man. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, yeah, the big thing, like, I mean, I believe, you know, unless you're the hunting beast and you're Dan Infault and you don't <laughs> give a shit about anything, like, I believe that goes into consideration for a lot of people. And one of the things I tried to do uh, when I first came out to this piece, a lot of this 6,000 acres, like, probably 1,000 acres of it is, like, river. So it's not like all of this is huntable and another, you know, 2000 acres is probably submerged cattails. Yep. So it's also like, that's not really all that huntable. Um, so understanding the water levels in this type of stuff and the mosquitoes and how far you want to go back and how far you need to go back. Cause one of the things is like during the summer, vegetation's everywhere. Food is everywhere. Bedding is everywhere. Pressure is extremely low. So deer, if you like, think about it in terms of like a heat map they are very spread out they can kind of go anywhere and feed anywhere and eat anywhere and have extremely low pressure and and not have to worry about a whole lot then as season picks up that heat map slowly shrinks so you can find these good bucks in the early season like right off the road on a piece of public ground i remember one of the best bucks i've ever found doing this was it he turned out to be a 17 point he, he ran scored about 180 and i saw him on the public 50 yards from the from a parking lot and that's the first time i saw him and then i put some cameras up i got a few pictures of him and was never able to connect and then during um during gun season one of the guys on the private land he killed him he was in a private land blind but he killed him on the public running through a gap from some guys who pushed him so like understanding where these deer are in the early season they can certainly be really close to the parking lot when there's not a lot of pressure because that first weekend it sets those mature bucks up they know what's coming and they just don't know what weekend it's going to start and then boom it's there and you're going the uh the other big piece like and, and so I, I say all that because walking a mile two miles back into the deep deep thick three quarters of a mile stuff in um talked to aaron warbritton the other day and he was like i used to discredit everything under three quarters of a mile but but walking that far back you might be passing up deer in the early season that are very killable that are quality deer just because you think you need to go further mm -hmm. you know 
Um, and and that's a nice truck. What is that? I know that was sweet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's an old. That was like a fifties truck, yeah. a forties truck, all redone. Um, so yeah, I mean that's one of the biggest things. The the biggest things too is just go where that fresh sign is. I I also know I did an, uh, a podcast with Aaron last year. Um, and his, his biggest input was go where the fresh sign is. The fresh sign is close, go close. If it's far, go far. I doesn't matter. You just got to go where it is. So doing these summer scouting and, and I know a lot of people like to post pictures about this, right? Always got there. You see that new, uh, it's not the phone scope. It's the other one. It's a new one. The magnet one. Yeah. Have yeah, you I seen that? I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Oh uh, man. I haven't seen that either, but that seems to like, I mean, they clearly bought a bunch of people out. Yeah. Or, or sponsored a ton of people because there's posts on that all yeah. over the place. It's like a new new way, but you see all those photos about this time of year of uh, of essentially people people that are posting that, um, posting these pictures of, of deer and bucks in, in soybean fields, essentially. And my, like, my real question that I kind of want to discuss today, and I don't know, I literally don't have a feeling on this yet, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Chad. Alex? I'd be interested in hearing what you have to say too, <laughs> which is, uh, which is, is this Intel even useful because the second, like the second weekend or the third weekend into season, these deer typically have a totally different pattern. Their, their bachelor groups are totally broken up and they're doing different things once they're essentially, you know, hard horned. Do you have like, that's like a thing that I find to be like, um, I'm not going to put a ton of summer scouting effort in because it seems like these deer just change. But at the same time, like if a buck is, if you find a buck that you like and he's a really nice buck and you're like, damn, that's a good one. And you don't kill him in those first couple weeks and his pattern changes. Does that mean he totally vacates the entire area? Or does that mean he just like moves through the area differently? Chad? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> typically I hang, I mean, on the public, I've hung cameras typically early season, right, or before even season starts, and I do find that, like, the patterns stay the same, but the deer don't necessarily stay the same. So, like, I've noticed, like, the travel routes are consistent for any deer that moves through the area, but I do see, like, a migration of, like, or just a pattern shift of, like, what is moving through the area at that time. So... I mean, to me, that that's like a consistent travel route. If you can find those, like most likely, I think the swing will happen. But I think the the expansion of area happens pretty quick after early season, you know, opener. Okay. From what I've gathered, like, but like, yeah, usually you're getting deer early season. You're getting deer on camera almost religiously, right? Like nightly, every two days, depending yeah. on, on on the area. And then I feel like you'll hit that same deer once a week. Once or they're like, hard-horned. yeah, once they're hard horn. Like, I feel like they still use the area, but not necessarily within like the same frequency. Sure. As okay. as compared to like what they did before, and that's probably pressure. That's probably also like, I mean, they become super vulnerable as they as they drop antler or as they drop velvet at first, and then they you know it does change. Things just start to change. But I have seen deer consistently throughout, but the frequency changes for sure. But I, you know, there are a deer you never see again after right. after they early just season. Like disappear. And they just like disappear. So either the I think the food changes, 
or just the activity changes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here's another doe. Oh, yeah. Across. So. It's a buck. Is it a buck? Uh, maybe it's not. Is that just your ears? Your ears were just picked up. Glass. Hold on. Got to roll the windows down. Glass them. Glass her up. Yeah, it's a big old doe. Yeah. She's running right to someone's house. <laughs> So yeah, this doe is a hundred yards, uh, nah, two, three hundred yards from public. Um, again, coming, but she's coming out of private. But it could be hunted. She crossed the road and she's in a bean field, going to a person's house. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, but I guess my thought there is even if, um, even if the buck changes pattern. I would say, like like you said, like the travel routes are there, right? It's just, is that buck now taking a different travel route? Is a different deer taking that travel route? Is that buck just taking that travel route instead of at, you know, 8 p.m. when before dark during daylight, now he's at, you know, 10 p.m. or something later? I don't know the answer to that. Um, but at the same time, the intel that you gain, um, that that buck is even in the area is probably worth it. Right, I would, that's probably how I'd have to. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of consider like you find deer in the area. There's a chance throughout the season they're still gonna come through that area, right. unless super pushed. Right in public, that's always a yeah. You know, that, that's a huge chance you take. Mm-hmm. But oh man, this field isn't planted. Nope. So here is a, like this is exactly why I do this. I still always had deer in it. <laughs> this field that we're driving by right now is how many acres do you think this field is? Maybe ten. Mm, Not even. Yeah. Yeah. 10. And it is. It's maybe ten acres. And this deer, I killed a turkey in here last year. I've always had deer come through this piece, and this has always been a good spot. And it's not even planted this year. It's it kinda, is. Yeah, it's kind of set between two public or pop, private places. Pieces. Yeah. It's always been a good, especially soybeans. This has always been a decent spot, and I've had good bucks come out of that back yep. right corner. Yep. But now this year, not even being planted, I gotta. I'm gonna have to think about this. Oh, I saw some ears. Yeah, there's a doe. <laughs> yeah, she's running. Two yeah. of them. One in front of All her right, too. Perfect. Oh, yep. Yeah. There's a fawn and a doe. So, oh, there's another one. There's a yep, third there's one. Three of them. Yep. So they were out in these weeds. Tall CRP, whatever's whatever you want to call it. Just fallow, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he just didn't plant it this year. Just looks like a disaster. Um, so, but clearly those does, and they ran into this, in, they ran into a section that I would consider like the standard bedding that I would expect them to go to and expect them to come out of. So, like clearly they're still using it and they they would just work through that. The big old box blind on private. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that thing is huge. I know he's got one on the other end too, yeah. but so the, so that, that tells me like those does are still in that area. Um, they're still using that same bedding area. They're just working through that CRP to get to the soybeans on the other side, right? That's probably the case right there. It's probably what they're doing. Um, and if there's a buck in there, which we did not see tonight, that would probably be what he's doing as well. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe he might totally move because this side, is all hay too yep. so this isn't even yeah nothing's planted over here yeah so this might cross this off my list unless it's planted on that back side yeah, in this other corner. i kind of want to go check that but i have another spot that i think is going to be more productive so i'd like to go check that before we run out of light 
A lot of baldies tonight. Yeah. Which is always good. Yeah. It's always a fallback. It is. It is. Meat is good. Meat is good, too. <laughs> um, do you have absolutely anything to add to the conversation, Alex? Yeah, okay. Yeah. You want my, <laughs> you want my take on this? Yeah, I do. Okay, so your question, is it worth it? Hell yeah, it's worth it. This is... It, I'm, I'm a big data guy, right? So this is all data into, you know, what you're going to or what you're not going to do. So, sure. You know, that makes just, sense. Just yeah, That's just seeing good. seeing what you see and what you don't see, like it 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 all plays into what you're gonna do, right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it's just a it's a time game, right? I agree with that. Sure. I mean, that's kind of what. That's actually that's a very solid point. What you, you don't put the see. time in. Yeah. Right? I mean, like that kind of goes on the the statement of like, if they use it at one point, why would they not use it again, right? Exactly. If they're right. consistent travel routes and you're consistently seeing deer. Like, especially if you see, I mean, like, to me, seeing bucks is great. Seeing does use a consistent pattern, and they continue to use a consistent pattern, even if the bucks disappear, they will, like, that pattern will be strong during a certain part of the season again as they're chasing. Because those does are typically pretty religious. Sure. Up until they're, you know, like, deep in the rut in an estrus, right? But, like... Travel routes are travel routes, and deer are like humans, and they they're lazy and will use the path of least resistance most consistently. And if those routes are strong, there's nothing that pushes them off there unless it's heavy pressure. And like sure. that, that's kind of I think on public where if you can find spots that are maybe not pressured as hard, but are consistently used, those deer will continue to maintain that unless they're given a different op- or like they have to take a different option. Right. They get pressured too much right. that they need the they need to move. Like doe is consistently, I found like they will travel that route unless they absolutely can. And as long as they do that, bucks will follow and will come in. Maybe it's not the one you saw on camera. Sure. You know because they move into the area, but I I do feel I mean you see it on even your private property, right? Like yeah. consistent trails are used. Yes. Unless they're absolutely not need like pushed off of them or right, you sit them too much. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and you <laughs> someone them up, or someone right? else sits them too much. Yeah, no, it's very that's very true. And the other big point that Alex brought up is what you don't see, right? Because that's a huge point. Because if you're sitting there watching, if you have like your favorite spot, or a lot of people have like their favorite spot, you know, you always hear people say, "Well, this is where my stand goes," or "This is where I sit," and you go and look where you sit three nights, four nights, five nights in a row or something like that, and you don't see anything, like, that's a clear... This field isn't planted either. Yeah, Holy crap. Stuff. What is going on? Gas price is too high, Chad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you sit there a while, and you find out that that's not... Uh, it's not... It's not working well. You don't see those deer in that area. Like, it gives you... The reassurance that you need to go look somewhere else or get at least gives you the data like yep. alex was saying that you need to go look somewhere else like okay there's nothing here so i'm not gonna go sit here opening day because clearly nothing is in the area and even if they are like in that field you think this guy's looking for deer too he's rolling slow oh yeah oh, yeah, yeah, yeah slow, they man. look like they're looking yeah. for deer <laughs> um so even if they're even if they're in that field like there's oh, two yeah yep. there's two there's, yeah they spooked them We'll have to go. Hopefully, they didn't spook the spot where we're going. 
Um, even if there's day, like there's deer in this field and, and they're feeding in soybeans. And the other big thing that I forgot to mention was like soybeans tend to turn. Like in Wisconsin season, this year is the 17th as it opens. Yeah, it's, it's late opener. It's later-ish. Yeah. And even in like a lot of states, Illinois, Michigan, uh, I'm not sure when Iowa opens. I think it's all October 1st. Like your soybeans are already turning. Yep. And once they turn, those deer don't like the soybeans anymore and they like something not else. Until they're dry. Right? Until like December. So the big thing there is, is those deer... You might see them in that area and then they turn, those colors turn, or maybe they're still green and you don't see them the night opener, but second weekend, they're still green. Maybe you don't need to sit the field edge. You need to sit 80 yards into the woods from where you think they were coming from, right? That's that's the play then is like, okay, well now they know pressure's there, so they're trying to come in here on a nocturnal schedule, but, um, but they're not going there, so, if they're coming in here nocturnally, we need to push deeper. And I don't know if this is my turn or not. Shoot. Ah, I'll have to pull it up. Um, I'll make you talk for a little bit, Chad, then maybe we'll turn around. Um, Just cut that. I can cut that, cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> cut, cut that out, cut that out. No, it'll stay. I didn't realize there was a purple cow here. Um, <laughs> so uh, I would like to, I would like to say the name. Way. Are we? Yeah. Ah, shoot. Just, I would just I would, based on the visuals here. I would like to uh, say the name of the street, but I don't want everybody to know where we're going. Oh yeah, don't do that. Um, we're in yeah. Iowa, right? Yeah. Yeah, Iowa. Yeah. yeah, we're in Iowa. Mexico. <laughs> Mexico. Yeah, we've gone way too far because yeah. we've hit a church. I've never seen this church before. I have not either. Where are we? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's Mexico, right? Yes. Yeah. We're in Mexico. Um, that was. I know that was my turn back there. So. Yes. Sorry, I apologize, all the listeners. I apologize for this. This is this is the fun part about scouting and driving. And sometimes I don't know exactly where I'm going. Um, is that a for sale sign? No. Where? Right up here. Yeah. Is it? House. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Oh yeah. It'd be interesting. Oh yeah, that's for sale. Pull in there. We'll talk. No, 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 no. no? <laughs> it is a for sale sign. We'll pull this up. Who's the realtor? Or oh, I don't know. Too many smudges. Walk Realty. Got it. All right. Um, so the uh, the big thing that I was that I was talking about was if you have those does, you may need to go a little bit deeper into the woods. You may be you may not necessarily um, have to. What I want to say, like have have to hunt that field edge. You just got to push a little bit further, and then you might run into them because they're trying to be nocturnal, but they're still getting yeah. up in daylight hours right yeah they're, hold, they're holding you know inside the wood yeah. line moving to that would be that the biggest idea there but you know um outside of that that's like one of the big things that i always i always think about like if they if those soybeans turn or if if they're still green then the then the deer are still in the area if they turn then they're probably onto the next food source which after soybeans in the early season um, acorns, acorns is a huge, yeah. Yep. Acorns is a huge, a huge factor. What, um, what else would you say, uh, Chad? What do you like in the early season for food? Anything for food? I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, until the corn starts to turn, you will get depending on what you have around you. If you got some alfalfa fields or something like that, like you will get patterns into those, or 
you know, even like private land, like grass, like short grass, like early hay, stuff like that, they will move into. But typically, a lot of times, I push deeper as the season goes, just because they're going to hold the pet. You know, the pressure goes up, and typically, acorn flats, you know, oak flats, things like that are the biggest attractor because it pulls them typically away from standard pressure because there's not a lot of, I mean I would say there's not a lot of people who find hard acorn flats and hunt them yeah um, as compared to finding you know egg routes that are 50 yards off a field so I feel like they just naturally migrate to that because of pressure too yeah but yeah I, there's no other magic I don't think there's any magical other you know water depending on how hot the season continues can be semi-decent or at least like creek routes and stuff like that patterns too because they're still semi using the same trail systems and things like that typically yeah they haven't pushed off like and they're not pushed either by bucks the does aren't pushed by bucks or or other hunters hard when they're deeper in i know there's a lot of people i, I don't know i just yeah beans start to until they dry out you lose them on beans pretty quick after that mm-hmm. Yeah, my, I that's a great point that you bring up. Of, um, oh, what, what did you say? Gosh dang it! Um, said something about pushing. No. What did you just? I don't know. Let's use. Ah, dang it, man! You had, you, had, yeah, you had no. You had a great point. It was. Uh, give me one second. Oh. So, hunting those acorn flats. That's oh, what yeah. you're talking about. My biggest problem with hunting acorn flats... Oh, that's, there's a, nice, one. that's a nice deer. Big old, big doe yeah. She's yeah. gone. Yep, she's on the move. But, right off of public, again, on the private ag. Um, a big old nose on her. Yeah, she's got a schnoz. Um, the, the big piece about the acorn flats is that I experience is squirrel hunters. Yes. Like, yes. man, they, around us, they pound the acorn flats. They are more, like, notorious than other deer hunters. I run into them more. And they are not, like, they're not, they don't care about their scent. They don't care about their noise. They don't care about anything. So, that's the other they big piece. They don't care where their 22 shells <laughs> no, travel. They do not. No. Yeah. Like, if it gets the they squirrel. They have zero Fs to give. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Around here, yes. Like, Man, I, I posted a video on YouTube or, or on Instagram a while back, which was like Parker and I got essentially shot out of a tree. Like the guy saw us, backed up, sat down at like 70 yards and started shooting his 410 at squirrels in trees around us. And literally at one point, like a squirrel came running towards our tree and Parker's like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, dude, we need to, yeah, we're just going to call it a day. Cause like this guy was not being nice. And when we got, when we started packing up, he stood up and walked out. Like, it's like he knew exactly the, the decency that he was providing. Good. That's good. But he we didn't care be. enough. Wow. So we, until we left and I'm sure he just came right back in. I thought you were going to say he left. He did. He, he left. We didn't find him. Like it's, but also at the same time, like we got Bo's like confrontation with people and guns and woods. It's yeah. not, it's never going to be good for no. anybody. No. It's just like, whatever. We won't come back. F you. I'll go slash your tires later and we'll call it a day. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I did hindsight. I did not do that. Like that was what I was thinking at the moment. Like I know where you parked. There's probably one car there. All six of you probably got out of that one car, and I know where I'm gonna go. Where I'm gonna go slash tires. I did not do that, but that was like. You know, you get so pissed off, like when people steal your trail cameras and steal your SD cards, all you do is think about the mean shit that you're gonna do to them. That was one of those mornings where well, I was just like really irritated. Yeah, we'll take a left turn on hunter harassment for a second. Um, my buddy and I, well, Tyler, um, who I go elk hunting with and stuff like that, we were um, duck hunting the bay the week of, I think it's a week going into like Thanksgiving. So essentially like in between gun seasons, I swung up. I used to not, I used to, I took a sabbatical from deer hunting for a while and just duck hunted like pretty, pretty heavy. And we were on the Bay of Green Bay and it's gun deer season. We pulled our boat up to uh, a Creek outlet into the Bay. So it had good water movement. Birds used like this point consistently past shooting uh, divers, puddle ducks landing in. It was actually a really good morning. We were, we were, we had bluebills, we had bufflehead, we had mallards, we had all sorts of stuff in, and we were pushed up into the cattails or like the what is it, the phragmites that that exist out mm. there, which are these yes. giant like tufted cattail-looking things, and they kind of look like a giant stalk of corn, um, legally floating, right? Like. Right. And there's private land behind us. Guys, gun hunting. We didn't know it. We pulled up. Obviously, like deer, it's deer dark. hunting. He's gun deer hunting. Okay. Um, because it's deer in the middle of the gun deer season, in Wisconsin. And all of a sudden, we see him walking towards us. You know, he was in a box blind. Apparently, you could kind of see it in the distance. And we're like, well, shit, we're we're on the bay. You're in a box blind. Like, I, I sorry. Right. Like, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Like. And he walks out and he goes, you know, you're trespassing. And we're like, mm, no, we're not. But can we first unload our weapons? We've unloaded. He goes, right. no, nah, I'm good. So <laughs> I threw one in the chamber and all he heard was click. And I loaded one back into my shotgun. And I'm like, all right, here we go. You're like, right. like, if that's how we're going to play this game. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not going down without something there. In the chamber. And yeah. like, he walked out into the bay, like into the water in front of us. and was like facing the, our boat. Like, I had a big mud boat at the time, so the big blind and everything like yeah. that. And and we just said, like, he goes, you're trespassing. We're like, no, we're not. He goes, that 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 where you're floating is dry some of the year. And we're like, but that's not a high that's, water mark. That's high water mark. I, I could be on your dry land and still not be trespassing because high water mark is back there. Like, didn't understand the laws. But, yeah, he finally walked away, called him in, said, want to report hunter harassment. This is this is the land. It was actually a piece of land. Oh, fuck, I don't care. I don't duck hunt it anymore. There was I don't know if it's still even owned there, but there was a group of what I learned to be judges and lawyers in the Green Bay area. They owned a piece of hunting land called Murder Incorporated. Murdering. That's what they called it. It was like murdering. an LLC. Murdering. Oh my murder. god. Murder. Murder Incorporated. Yeah. <laughs> Like pretty thuggish from that standpoint. Oh but yeah, like, I'm sure they found it all hilarious. Yeah, We're yeah. Call it murdering, bro. Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah. So reported him and just said flat out, like, this is what happened. This was his when we took his back take number. Yeah, like back when we had because he walked away, like, yeah, yeah. He, and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was probably like 2000. I would say probably 2010ish, 2000. 
nine, somewhere in that range. But yeah, hunter harassment from that perspective and stuff like that, and Man. squirrel hunters not understanding, like respecting and ethical hunting, and things like that. We all, we all, yeah. we're all public land owners, right? But like respecting and being an ethical hunter and respecting people's rights and like boundaries is all a part of that, right? And yeah. you can say, hey, I didn't, I didn't appreciate you there. That's a different conversation than you're trespassing when we're clearly not. Right. And not abiding by a request to, like, disarm yourself. Right. Right. Oh, no, because no, you, I'm good. You came up very confrontational, like, and we tried we tried to, like, disband the confrontation and the pressure and, like, the tension. And he clearly didn't want that. So, yeah, kind of a, a left turn on, like, what hunter harassment and or, like, ethics can be. Uh-oh. Yeah. Ooh, speaking of left turn, I know. Speaking, speaking of left, left turn, turn, we're road doing close. it. Road close. Ah, three points. Oh, that's plenty. We of got miles. time. I think we're all right. That's three a lot miles. of miles. We're fine. I think we'll be okay. There's one turn off of here in three miles. <laughs> no, and that's like that's one of the things you run into is when you. One of the reasons why, like, I like aside from deer hunting, like I don't want people to see me or know me or anything with where I am and what I'm doing on this piece of public ground. Like literally if there's another hunter, like, and I'm up in a tree, 99% of the time, I'm not even going to announce myself if he's walking in to go set up somewhere oh, else. No. Like, no. I'm just going to sit there until he recognizes me. Yep. And then at that point, we're going to have a conversation. But until then, I don't even want him to know I exist. Yep. Like if I'm walking out of the woods too, and someone's driving by and I feel like they're scouting or they're even like, if I even hear a car, like, I'm just, like, stopping, standing, ducking behind a tree. I don't want people to know that I'm there, what I'm doing. I just... I'm the same way. It's it's a... I don't understand why I want that, but I don't... I just don't care. I don't care to interact with people when I'm out in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'm, I agree. <laughs> unless, unless I go there with you, I'm not interested in talking to you. Right. Unless, like, we have to have a conversation. And then at that point, I'm as nice as I can be because the way... Like what I do for a living is sales and negotiation and you never, I've never heard anyone coming out on top of a negotiation by being a total asshole unless they have pure power over you and they have everything, like they have all the power. Then they can be a dick all they want and you still have to abide by that. But on public land, all of us are equal and, and even public and private when you're on the public, like everybody's equal and there is no, there's no power over anybody else at that point. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's one of those things that's just like, try to be nice and, and use the power of kindness to persuade people because people can be dicks. And at that point, you just kind of, yeah, suck it up if they are. <laughs> yeah. If they truly are just a jerk. Um, what do we got here? One, do we got one mile? 1.6. One we might, like, I'm, I bet you if it's out on this bridge, we're kind of screwed and we got to turn around. That's all right. But if it's not, we're in it. <laughs> we're, we're good because I want to turn left up here, but I we're, I think it's gonna be out on this bridge. Oh, maybe it's not because that bridge is right there. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the the early season the early season scouting game. I know people post a lot of pictures on it, and it's really cool to post on, and it's really cool to go out and see all these big bucks. But um, whether or not that actually turns into success is, in my opinion, based on how many pictures you see on social media versus how many people actually kill early season, it's really low. Like I personally, I've killed two bucks early season. None of them have scouted, have been scouted. 
both of them where I just kind of knew the area and I set up and I and I ended up killing them. Neither of them were early season scouted, and I'm not some giant giant badass killer every year, but uh, but at the same time, I, I feel like you guys see all we we see all this stuff and we think that's what we need to be doing. And it, and it like as Alex said, data is additional data is good. It's good to have, good to know, good to understand. At the same time, um, it's it's potentially not critical. Like you're not gonna, you know, be left out or anything. And the other the other side of that is um, Hunter Hogan, who, if you don't know who he is, is I think his tag Hulk Hogan's is... son. <laughs> Sorry, that's accurate. <laughs> that's, Alex, please verify. Yeah, brother. Fact <laughs> <laughs> oh, checker, Alex. Yeah. He, oh yeah, we made it. We made it. We need to take this left oh, right here. Point, we did we it. Point, point we got, four miles. Yeah, spare. We're plenty good. of space. We're rolling um, into Guatemala here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh wow, Mexico. look at that. Uh, look at that blacktail over there. Or look at that uh, coos deer. Yeah. Oh, we got coos deer. Oh my gosh, is that a elk? Oh, <laughs> random trail. Um, yeah. The um, the other side of that is Hunter Hogan, who who is a huge early season advocate. He he hunts a piece of ground that um, a, a big piece of public ground, and he scouts all these different areas, and all of them are glassable. And he does not want to hunt a piece that isn't glassable. So he kind of picks his pieces. He doesn't like the thick stuff at all. He likes the huge, vast CRP. Yeah, because like he that. can shoot a hundred yards. Yeah, well, that guy, yeah, yeah. Because he's a killer. <laughs> that guy, he's, yeah, archery, shoots in tournaments. He shot his buck last year at, like, 81 or something like that on opening night or two nights in, I think, something like that. But at the same time, um, he's a huge advocate of it because uh, Missouri season opens early. The deer typically have a very similar pattern for the first couple weeks. He can put a lot of effort in scouting early and be successful in finding deer, getting on deer, and then obviously killing deer in the early season just because of the, the type of terrain and vegetation and pressure that he experiences. So if that's where you're at, then I certainly would suggest it too. You know, I, I obviously that works for him. Um, maybe not the whole shooting at 80 yards. On the other side, had another guy on the podcast last year, um, and he shot, he does the same type of tactics, and he shot his at seven yards. So like he was in the tree line on the whole property and and that's the tree line that 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 buck took. It was like a 14 point. It was a really nice like 170 some inch buck. Um and he shot at 7 yards and he was like 8 feet off the ground because that's all he could get. So there's a whole lot of different uh different scenarios that you can be involved in here. For us, Chad and I and uh, potentially Alex if he ever picks up a bow is you know <laughs> midwest wisconsin egg ground and that's the egg and swamp like it's a mix of swamp and egg really quality high quality tillable land um that was my turn wasn't it yeah it was oh well we're driving past it boys just gonna, missed it. yep just missed it that's okay um but uh but yeah that's i mean anything else to to add in the early season chad about like deer movement scouting I mean, I would say, like, another big thing, I mean, depending on how you want to hunt it, typically early season you can get away with a lot more ground hunting, only because, like, foliage is heavy. Like, you can hide behind leaves and bushes and nasty shit, whereas, like, the season grows on, things die, leaves come off, all that kind of stuff. 
So like, and I think that that can be a real negative too, because if you are a stand hunter and you get in, let's say you haven't been to a piece or you, whatever, like you get in before light and you're up in a tree and it, it becomes light and you're 20 feet up and you're above all the initial cover. Yeah. So just like understand the, the structure and like the habitat that you're at in order to understand like how you're going to hunt the piece. I mean, wind obviously is a given, but I think the, the trees, the foliage, all that kind of stuff will play a big role in early season just because it's way different than like a piece maybe you hunted late season. You're like, oh, that was a great piece. I'd like to be back there. Well, the understory may be completely in the yeah. way when it when the lights turn on. 100%. Oh, there's some hound hunters rolling yeah. after some coyotes. Yeah, uh, 100%. You know, we always, uh, and a lot of people even, the, the hunting public, um, anybody you talk to that does serious scouting in, heavily encourages scouting in as soon as season's over, January, February, March, and getting in there and finding all this sign. And that was a trap that I fell into um, a while back as well when I first started doing all this was out here on this piece of public was I would get out in December, February, uh, December, January, February, March, scout all these pieces and then be like, okay, cool. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I've been there. I know I understand it. Then September rolls around, season opens. I go out there and I'm like, oh my God, this looks so much different. The trees I picked out are not good anymore. You can't shoot out of them. There's no shooting lanes. You can't trim branches here. The trails are different. The deer are different. The food source is different. So if you think you have everything squared away, I feel like the the scouting you do in January, February, March are like what you pencil in. And then in August, in Ju late July, August, September, that's when you like pen it in on where you want to be and when you want to do something. And then you roll into October and you're still penning in, you know, and making some, some information permanent um, throughout the season all the time. But that, that initial scout is more about penciling going okay these I think these would be good early season spots kind of closer to a food source it's probably gonna be a lot of vegetation it's a decent walk-in but it's not it's not too close but it's not too far I should check these out maybe there's some acorns in the area and you're kind of putting all that together and then this time frame July August September is when you need to get out there and verify that information make sure that it's still good go check those spots at least if at least for you know, uh, just at one day, go in and look and be like, okay, cool. Like, this is good, this is not good. Because another big piece is just the DNR and their own land manipulation. Yeah. I know, like the piece that we hunt here, there's a huge section of it that got, uh, like, essentially overhauled by the Wisconsin DNR uh, this summer and last summer. They took these, uh, there are these big drainage ditches. It used, all this, all this, uh, property that in this area used to be ag fields and so they had these big drain irrigation ditches to just like drain the water off and the dnr came in and rather than have these these things were like two three hundred yards long and they would funnel deer movement along the edges yep. of them so the deer wouldn't cross them right essentially and it created these like little funnels for you that you could hunt these tree lines or these points where these creeks stopped and these deer would then kind of take a left or right turn when these when these ditches stopped and the DNR came in, totally removed them and turned them into ponds. So they essentially like closed off half of them or three quarters of them and made the other quarter of it a lot bigger and made it into a pond. Yep. Little, okay. little guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mom. 
right here. Oh, oh no, another one. That no, that's, a, that's a bush. That's a bush. <laughs> that was a big bush. We that's like him shaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clean, clean that up. Clean that up right now. <laughs> you know, I don't mind a bush every now and then. But, you know. Yeah, a little bush is okay. Big bush. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, just keep, yeah, that's another big thing is looking out for what the Wisconsin DNR or whatever your natural resources is doing to the property because they might put in land improvement. They might, you know, they trimmed out a ton of stuff this spring. They burnt all these fields and they took um, some bobcats out when we were out turkey hunting. They took a ton of stuff out, um, a ton of like invasive species, which was like really thick, overgrown, like nastiness, which was decent for bedding cover. And now it's like totally gone and it's a barren landscape. So like that stuff is, you know, you just got to cross it off the list. You got to try to understand how those patterns now work. So there's just a, a whole lot of um, information that you can gather in this time based up from, from January to August. There's a lot that can occur and, and you got to get out there and put in a, a few extra steps and just verify all that information. Um, the other big one that um, Catman from Catman Outdoors, uh, if you ever watch him on, on YouTube, he always likes to, he'll take his binos and he likes to go look for like uh, uh, oaks that are, that have acorns. Like he oh, likes to go sure. verify because oaks, yeah, oaks do not drop every year. Nope. Like that's, they, they don't produce every year. Well, and depending on the kind of oak too. Some right. oaks are like bur oak, like there's certain Apologize oaks. Apologize for the background noise. I got, a, I got tinted windows. Are those all deer up on the top of that hill? Holy shit. I think those so. Are. Yep. Yep. They're all coming out of that piece of public too. Right off that point. Yep, right on that ridge. Do I got anyone behind me? No. Yep. On a highway right now, guys. <laughs> so any bucks in there? Ah uh, fuck, I can't tell. It's too it's dark. Pretty far, yeah. Yeah. In front of you, but it's fine. Okay. Yeah, they're all coming out of this piece of public. So this is I scouted this. I scouted this this spring. This is exactly the. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is funny. This is where I get my deer so, process. Yeah. Well, shh. Oh, in Mexico. In Mexico. In Mexico. Shit. <laughs> cut it. Cut. Cut. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. One out. <laughs> they used to. They don't do it anymore. Can't find them. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, guys like chorizo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. It's it's corn tortillas, okay. onions, and uh, chorizo here. Yeah, it's uh, perfect. Yeah, I got I got uh, questions. Yeah, yeah. common uh, common early season questions. You guys want to hear them? Yeah, I do. Okay. I would love All to right. hear. Them. I just I googled these, but they're pretty solid. Oh, I got three of them. Uh, what sign is most important in early season? So, if you're trying to, in my opinion, I'll yeah, I'll answer first. You answer second. In my opinion, if you're trying to kill like a big buck, number one is going to be your tra his tracks. Like you got to find, I would think you want to find his tracks or you want to see him visually. Like somehow, like that's the most important sign. You want to find the food source that he's after and the trails that he's using to that food source. So that like the tracks would be number one. So like if you're walking field edges or something, finding tracks that'd be my first my first piece or doing this summer scouting and, and looking for them visually the second one that i would say would honestly be like 
really high quality fresh community scrapes. A scrape that is active in the early season, if you can find it, it's, they're really difficult to find, but they do exist. If you can find them, I think that would be the number two thing to, to look for personally. Okay. What do you think, Chad? Yeah, I mean, your first is my first. It's like active sign, like active habitation of an area. That is yeah. absolutely like key. You know, he, you know he's in there. You like you've seen him. You've actually visually camera or scouting, like you've put eyes on him somehow. And there's a pattern there. Like that's first and foremost. Like that's what I look for first. And then I like community scrapes early are like you said they are hard to find. Yeah. Like and they're not very common. But if you do find them, great. I would say the other thing would be is, like, understanding, like, where they're moving from. Mm, sure. Like, yeah. and so you can push in deep. And, like, there is, they are so predictable early season that they are, their consistent pattern, like, they don't change at all. And if you can find, like, like spot A from where they start, to where like you've seen them which is typically like and like you do with cameras or you can do with you know there's bedding is finding that active like trail route and typically you find the, I, I found those not even with the, the big deer on them but just the does in the area I still think like a highway is a highway sure the deer traveling yeah like there's nothing that differentiates a doe from a buck typically early season Sure. But like no, they quickly fair. differentiate after that, yeah, but good. but out, yeah. The other the other big one that I, is obvious that I forgot to mention would be um, uh, the food source. Like that would be the that'd be probably your probably right up there. Number one, two, and three would be food source in terms of like is it soybeans? Is it acorns? Is it a food plot? Like what is it? Because that's going to attract all your does. Like if you're just trying to kill a deer, food is numero uno. But if you're trying to kill a, a mature deer then it's what Chad and I are talking about, in, my, in our opinion, yeah. right? All right. All right. Okay. Uh, the next one, this one, like, this is a legit question that I would have, being a noob. How <laughs> high should you hang your bow stand? <laughs> I have no idea. Like, Dude, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, oh, kind of touch shooting I mean, lanes. Yeah, kind of touched on it a little bit before is, like, understanding your cover and your shooting lanes. Ultimately, like, do you have any vantage point at all? Can you see? Can you not? And then do you have, if you have an opportunity, can you execute? Right? Yeah. Like, it. I've been in plenty stands where you're like, oh, this is fucking great. I know I know this trail intersects here. The wind's perfect. Boom, you get up, and you're like, well, I could only shoot if that deer comes right there. Yeah. And you're like, shit. Yeah. Right? Like, because you didn't cut shooting lanes early or... You can't cut. You forgot your saw. Yeah. <laughs> like forgot well, your yep. Yeah, there's all sorts of things. And like I height I don't think height is I mean, I've killed deer from ten feet up to like thirty feet up. Yeah. Like height to me is never the issue. To me it's the height that gives you the best advantage to be able to kill. And that it, can be different in every location, I feel. Yeah. The two best opportunities I had last year on my piece of private were both my stands in those okay both my stands were at between 8 and 10 feet 
Yeah. So, like, I mean, in that sense, are we taking a break? Yep. Yep, we're taking a break. Okay. Yep. I'll keep talking while you guys take a break. You're, they're going to go scout a field out here. Um, I have great friends, everybody. I have great friends. It looks like Alex peed on the floor back here in my truck. Um, the, uh, like, in terms of stand height, that, that is a great question. Whatever, in my opinion, I try to get as high as I can while still having high-quality shooting lanes and good cover. Um, in the early season, you have a lot of foliage, so good cover is pretty um, abundant. So then at that point, like, if you get – if you get, I've done this multiple times where I put all four climbing sticks up that I have or, or three climbing sticks, and I set the stand up, and I look out, and I'm like, all the shooting lanes I thought I had are now gone, or only I had four shooting lanes and I only have one. I will pull my stand and move it down a stick or two to the point where I can I can, I, I regain my shooting lanes. Shooting lanes are the most important. What you get bit by some skeeters or oh, he's a horse. Alex taking a long piss. Yeah, he's like an elephant back here. Well, I thought he was like six inch. Six inch Alex. He's clearly not six. Inch. Wow. <laughs> it's a camel. <laughs> Just rolling. You gotta do what you gotta do, right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I, in terms of tree stand heights, that, that's what I would say, whatever gives you the most, the best cover and the best shooting lanes at that time. And it progresses over season, like early yeah. season last year. Like, yeah, I mean, I, one of my best stands was at eight feet. Like I literally grabbed the bottom of my stand and I set my bow on my stand and then climbed the two sticks up and then sat in it. Yep. Like that's how I did my bow rope. So, and I had a great buck come into 20 yards and he had no idea he was there. I was there. He even came, he came into 20, um, made a rub and then hit it. He hit two rubs in a row. Another small buck came in and I got all this on film. So I, I have the proof that it happened. And then he worked around me and got downwind and he finally picked me at like seven yards when he was downwind to me. And this was like a two and a half, maybe three and a half year old buck that ran about a hundred and... 25 130 inches like he's he's a good deer um but i know i had a bunch of pictures of him last year i had a bunch of pictures of him this year i know he's a homebody so i didn't want to try to i i thought about shooting him i drew on him but if he i knew there were five other bucks on the property that were better than him or bigger than him more mature than him and uh and i was really hoping i haven't got any pictures of him yet this year but i really hope he's stuck around and he'll he'll be a, a just a giant this year at like 140s 150s so yeah, I mean tree stand height. It in early season it can be lower, and as the season progresses, you know you might you might start around 10, 12 feet, and as the season progresses, you're at 16 to 20. Um, but yeah, I would say like rut rut yeah. stands to me, 15 to 20 is yeah, it's just like natural, like that's where your sticks put you. Yep. But usually it's you're pretty undetectable at that height. I yeah. mean, unless it's super like sparse cover. Or they're yeah. like walking up a hill and looking you right in the eye type thing, but yeah, usually a good point. And you just don't want to set up on a bare ass naked tree with no branches. Like that kind of sucks because yep. it's it's really easy to pick you at that point. So if that's the case, then maybe you need a climber and you need to scoot up to like 30 feet just to really get out of that deer's visual, you know, line of sight. But uh, but the other thing is if you are in that scenario and you got no other option and you only got three sticks on your back and that is what it's gonna be, then my best advice in there is to try to put the tree between you and the deer. 
So whether you're in a stand or a saddle, try to use the cover. Like if you think, you know, if you think that uh, that, that deer is gonna walk a trail that's uh, to the west of you, put yourself on the east side of the tree so that you can at least use the thickness of the trunk of the tree or the, the, the main shaft of the tree to to block your, your outline a little bit in some sh- shape or form. Yep. I said main shaft there. I was really expecting a joke. No. <laughs> you did look at me and I wanted, wanted to, but yeah. Hold it back. Uh, all right, Alex last... did start tickling my neck. It got here. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I got one more. All right, let's hear it. I got time for one more. Speak we're, up, we're too. We're tickling an hour. Uh, do I hunt mornings or afternoons? Afternoons. Yep. Like if you have, if you have to make the option... The afternoons all day. Yep. Like deer are far more active in the. Uh, oh, it's a moped. Alex, the is that you? Was that? <laughs> that thing was whole ass. I know. It was, a, it, it was a motorcycle, but it only had its like. Yeah, it's fog its, lights. Yeah, it's like its fog lights on its stem on. Bowls, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. 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 Bowls. <laughs> um, yeah, I would. I would like. It is. It is. Like in the mornings, in the early season, most deer are back to their bedding area before it gets light like that just seems to be the case and they will get up an hour 30 minutes before light to go to their food source so your odds there's a lot of people who don't even hunt mornings in the early season and the early season like in my opinion is any time frame up until like october 10th i would consider that early season then after like the upper midwest yeah yeah yep and october 15th to the 31st then it becomes the next stage which is like the pre-rut uh that's that's my like rough definition of it it could be october 14th it could be the 12th but essentially anything yep. before october 10th i would consider early week week and a half are you in the you in the same boat yeah Dad? we yeah i agree like there is as the season progresses, I become a morning hunter. Sure, it's, it's like it's very yes. interesting, but like like it really does. Like I love morning hunting during the rut, and like mid morning especially. I, I yeah. love like, like that ten to noon. Yeah, like mm-hmm. nine nine to eleven. Yeah, ten to noon. Yeah. Like it's just a weird weird opening. But yes, early season. There's not a whole lot going on, <laughs> like no. in the morning during the day. Definitely not. Yeah. Like midday, no. whereas like during the rut, way different. But unless, yeah. yeah, in my unless you have like data that tells you to go in the morning, if you like drive to work and you see a buck out in a field every morning, then obviously, yeah, go I down. do, but it's all private land <laughs> every morning. <laughs> see, that, that's what I thought you were gonna say. I thought you were gonna say, like, oh, it all depends on, on what you're seeing. If you but can, no, you guys are both like, if you oh, can act, no. it's all about like if you can access a spot where you know deer are going to move to in the morning as compared to be already at like and what i mean by that is like typically they're they're in the field right if you can find a way to predict how they're gonna come off that field you'll be successful but that's like that's insane like to understand because usually there's multiple like yeah. you know entries and exits to a field but they're always yeah. in that field yeah you're right absolutely but they can make that cover depending on the wind they're going to move different directions and that predictableness is really, really hard. Yeah. But, like, typically when they come out in the evenings, they've centered themselves in a spot where they always are coming out of before they would make a split. you got to find that spot. 
Yeah. Or they're always going to be out in that field, and well, maybe it'd be a ten yard shot one time, and another time it might be fifty yards. Yeah. But they're always like out in the field. Like yes. that's those are different. They get there somehow. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you just got to figure out how they. Like, can you get to the point in which they come out of the trees and be within thirty yards of mm-hmm. that? Right. That's. I think that's the that's the hardest part. And no, to your point, Alex. Like, it would like typically the data like follow the data if the data says hunt the morning then hunt the morning if the data says yeah. you know hunt the, but when sure. when an absence of data for a lot of people there just isn't a lot of morning information or they don't have trail camera photos yeah. or they haven't scouted or whatever it is like your i would give you like a, an 85 to 15 percent chance like 85 percent odds in the morning 15 percent odds in the or i'm sorry 85 percent yeah. odds in the evening 15% odds in the morning. Like, that's what I would just, like, blindly give you yep. in the early season. And then throughout the season, like, once you enter, like Chad was saying, once you kind of enter the pre-rut and even the rut, that shifts to, like, really, I mean, 50-50 until late, I mean, maybe even more, like, 65-40 until late season. And then it switches all the way back again where it's, like, you know, 90-10. Very good odds in the evening. Yeah, very, very heavy low odds. Again. Yeah back to back to just you know standing beans yep um no great questions anything else like personally that you didn't look up on google Uh, (laughs) yeah no i mean okay yeah i got i got two all right speak up a little bit so when you get to a spot and you see vehicles there do you take into account the stickers (laughs) <laughs> that are on the vehicle. That's great. Um, yes. Okay. If there's a lot of stickers, the guy is probably not going very far. <laughs> In my opinion. So the more stickers, the, the less of the hunter. Distance. Because okay. any like really solid hunter. Like, the guy I'm most afraid of is the guy who rolls up in a minivan. Oh, or the guy fuck yeah. who has a fucking beater of oh, a so car. you don't think they're squirrel hunting? That's what I would assume. Oh, like, I, I'm I, not going like, to say if I know they're squirrel hunting, I know what they're driving. Yeah. Because yeah. I know what they're yeah, driving. I it is too. not from this country. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what Right? <laughs> yeah, it's either a Honda or a Toyota, right? Yeah. But yeah. It's the, no, like, a taco or a tundra. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, no, seriously though, like if I pull up and there's a there's a dude in like you know a beat up Ford Escort or he's in a in a Chrysler minivan, I'm like fuck, because these guys like the guys who drive in that are guys who are putting in effort. Like they don't have the money, but they have the effort, and so they are going after it. Yep. Like that's who I'm most concerned about. If they're if they roll up in a truck and they have like Rage broadheads and Vortex and you know, I don't, who else? Like Matthew right. stickers, big bull elk in the back, and, and not worried about it. Huh? All sorts of stickers. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't. It it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I'm like, all right. You're gonna whatever. run in into them. Yeah. Probably on your walk in, and they're gonna be like on the path to where they should be. Yeah, but <laughs> typically not. Sorry, it's just <laughs> typically how it happens. But. No, yeah, and I and I like like. I don't shoot any range broadheads, but I love Vortex Optics. But Vortex does a phenomenal job at our marketing. And people, oh, yeah. like, especially in Wisconsin, they're from Wisconsin. They're on the west side of Madison. Like, those guys, they, they're, you see Vortex stickers everywhere. So, to me, that doesn't mean, like, anything. It just means, like, okay, cool. They bought a pair of binos or, or have a, a scope. Like, you know, and bows don't even have yeah. scopes. So, it's like, whatever. But I will attest to the guy 
that drives that minivan, when you set up a stand near his and you didn't realize his stand was there, he will get pissed because he that stand has been there for 10 years. Oh, my God. And he will that take guy. that stand oh and my. drop it 20 feet out of the tree because he thinks that you're hunting his spot, even though you had no idea there was a stand in that spot oh because it's God. set up in a terrible fucking location. He'd have, to, he'd have to, like, tomahawk a deer as he jumps on its back to have a shot where he was set up. Well, but, with his crossbow, Chad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. No. Yeah. I'm kidding. There but was, he also sets that stand. He set that stand that morning, by the way. Oh, no, 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 because I went in there in March, and it was there again. Yeah. So that stand exactly. was not set there that morning. No. There's, yeah, and in the in the same spot that you're talking with that dude, I ran into another guy in there. And this, again, it was a Ford, Ford Escort, and there was a box in his back seat when I got out of my truck. I was like, oh, someone, oh, I went out, I was just walking jacks. And I went out to this spot, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to poke around in here. Like, I got, you know, 30 minutes to kill. I'll run jacks a little bit. And he had a, a box, which was a blind, in his back seat. And I was like, oh, okay, this guy's got a blind. He's blind hunting. Cool. I rolled down the main trail. I got 80 yards from my truck. And the tr- the main trail, which is like a, a mowed path, splits. After and a I, gate. Like, yeah, after a gate. Like, yep. <laughs> and it splits right there. And there was a blind right there in the split, like 80 yards from the parking lot. And I'm like, oh, shit, did he just set this thing up and now he's going to scout or he's going to do something or whatever? And I'm walking past him. And I hear rustling inside. I'm walking with my dog, and I'm like, oh, I just totally botched this guy's hunt. I walked with my dog another, like, 10 minutes, came back, and the blind was gone, and his car was gone. I was like, I'm, so- I'm sorry, bro. But it was, like, 10 a.m., and it was, like, early October. I was like, I, I feel like I'm not going to harm anyone's hunt. And I didn't go far. That coyote was not there on the drive out, No, was that wasn't. Yeah. No. That's very fresh coyote kill. Um. But yeah, anyway, that's that's that that's that question. What else? did you have another question or no? Uh, no, I mean that's that's pretty much it. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's pretty much all I got. We're at uh, we're at an hour. What's up, production uh, man? Hour ten minutes. <laughs> hour go. ten. Yeah. Fantastic. It's perfect. Right on time. So, all right. Anything else to add? Otherwise, we can wrap this up and and crack a couple beers. No, I think we're good. We should probably right. stop the watering hole in, uh, <laughs> in Mexico. In Mexico, <laughs> the old watering hole. Basically, that looks, that's very, don't drink the water. <laughs> no, but we should uh, probably soon at least connect back on elk. Yeah, elk preseason yeah. readiness. For sure, we should talk about elk hunting. That's coming up here. It's it's almost August. Because I leave the opener of Wisconsin archery, so mm. like to me, early season archery is. Not Dead. even in, not even the picture. You're right not now. even considering it. So no. you just came out here for like to humor me, oh, essentially. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still just, it's good to see where the deer are using because the same pockets of woods and things like that, they're still going to be in there. Like yeah. they may be using another food source that's located elsewhere, but they aren't going to move. Pro- I yeah. mean, to Alex's point, probability and data. If you're going to go on the probability that you're going to see something because you've seen something there before, right? Yeah, and if nothing else, like it's a kind of a crummy day, and you're really unsure about trying to 
kill a buck rather than trying to push in on something you have no idea about. You can always just go set up on a. The kids are driving you nuts, and you got to get out of the house. Yeah, and you just be like, "Hey, hon, I got to go hunt." Yeah, I'm just gonna kind of come back with a deer. Like I got nothing going on tomorrow. Like (laughs) yeah, I'm just gonna come back with a big deer. (laughs) I'm gonna shoot anything that moves out here. I mean, I did that once, but it was like a little deer. I could haul it all on my shoulders, but that's fine. (laughs) No one's judging. Could be a fawn. Might still have a spot, (laughs) but it is legal. Uh, (laughs) Still, still ate well. That's right. Fantastic. Call it veal and we're done. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, If you enjoyed the episode, like, subscribe. This was a little bit different than what we usually do, obviously, but uh, just a little bit more fun, uh, light, lighthearted podcast here on the early season stuff. Um, And again, uh, we did not mention our partners. These guys are are pretty cool people. And if you ever get a chance to to utilize or purchase their products, that obviously be fantastic. we would be talking about Onyx Maps, uh, Vector Custom Shop, and Venado. Those guys are awesome. All great, great companies, small businesses. Onyx is probably the largest by far, but uh, Venado and Vector Custom Shop are awesome guys. If you can ever give them, talk to them, throw them some business, that'd be fantastic. All right. Hope you guys have a great week, and uh, catch you next time. Later. Peace. That a boy. That a boy. Way to end it on a high note. Hard.